0: is uh hopefully we'll see how this goes is just to kind of summarize uh very quickly the the last discussions on the difference between the ability to speak in tongues and the gift of tongues and then we're going to read uh the portion of the governing of the gift of tongues in first corinthians chapter 14 uh so if you want to turn there you can And I'll get to that in just a moment. I'm going to go ahead and get that on the computer here. In summary, I reminded you last week of the devil's work. And yes, it's his work to minimize the importance of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer to dilute and pollute the the doctrines of, of the role of the Father, the role of the Son, and the role of the Spirit, perfectly independent, interwoven, God in three persons, which is a mystery. It's just the way he explains it to us. But the Holy Spirit being given to us at regeneration, the witness of the Spirit, someone would say, well, I, I thought I received the Holy Spirit when I believed. Yes, you did. The, the earnest of the Spirit. You were marked. You were uh, identified. An, a mark of ownership. A, uh, a mark of sealing. You were sealed with the Spirit. If you were to take an envelope and close it and pour wax and put a signet ring there, that would identify that letter as coming from this person of importance. Or if you were to seal that letter in, in some type of mason jar with a wax seal. That's a type of seal. And there's an earnest, a, a promise, uh, a down payment, if you will. The earnest of the Spirit was the down payment that God chose to use for the fulfillment of your salvation. We're saved now. We were saved. We are saved. We are being saved. And we shall be saved. And we come into the fullness of that. But in studying the the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I covered this last week. Again, I'm trying to do just a brief summary. It's important that you understand the distinction between them. The, The Holy Spirit is a gift to us, but it's different, a distinction between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit found in 1 Corinthians 14. So turn there with me, if you will. Let's just kind of get into 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, This is speaking to the gifts, the power gifts, not the gift of the Holy Spirit given to the believer, but the gift that the Holy Spirit gives to every believer, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Follow after love, charity. Desire spiritual gifts. Mark that down in your Bible. Paul is writing to the church, desire spiritual gifts. Well, that's that's kind of counterproductive or counterintuitive to the people that say, well, all these gifts died out with the apostles. Well, Paul, who was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, don't you think the Holy Spirit would know if these gifts were going to stop? He would have said, until the time of the death of the last apostle. Remember, it's not the gifts of the apostles. It's the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay. Desire spiritual gifts. When we study things like this, we want to get to the supernatural, the, the mystical part, if you will. Instead of jumping over that first line, when you study, ask yourself, just this question. And write it in your Bible, write to the side. Am I doing this? What good is the knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit without a desire to have them? And the answer is pride knowledge that puffs up i know about this well i understand tongues well i'll see your tongues and raise your interpretation of tongues i have this knowledge you know this understanding that the the desire spiritual gifts is an issue of discipleship so we are to desire them and as your pastor i had to tell the lord the other day i uh, in preparing for this i said i don't do that anymore i believe i have them i operate in them but, Lord, I, I don't do that anymore. And it was, and this is not audible, but here's what I say in my mind. Then what are you going to do about it? So I catch myself and I, I pray now. Lord, distribute to me any and every gift that you want me to have and show me so that I might exercise it and bring glory to Jesus Christ and edification to the church. I desire, I'm asking. I don't have to have anything, but your word told me to ask. Okay. But rather that you may prophesy, okay, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. This is just context. He is not minimizing the gift of tongues or the ability to speak in tongues. Two totally separate things. The ability to speak in tongues, which happened all through the book of Acts, as the Spirit was poured out upon him, it said, and they spoke, and they began to speak with tongues. And we saw them speak with other tongues as the Spirit was poured out upon him. That person that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies who? Himself. Me as an individual. So when I speak, pray in my devotional life in tongues, I'm speaking unto God, mysteries unto God. And God is not minimizing that. He's looking at it from a, like, pan out from a broad lens. Now, if you're going to operate in the supernatural, the praying in tongues, or the gift of tongues, rather that you may prophesy, it reaches more people. It's not a minimizing of that gift. Remember, tongues, the gift of tongues, is a, is a moment. It's more about the moment than, a, than the man. It's the intrusion of the Holy Spirit into a a moment in a church service where someone speaks in a language unknown to them and the only benefit to the congregation is if there is someone with the gift of interpretation, not the ability to translate, which I know what that language was. No, the ability to interpret, the gift of interpretation, which is the ability to understand a language they've not heard then that can benefit the congregation. So it was not a slight on tongues. It's make sure that you carry this context. The gifts are for others. So if I come and speak in English, I reach more than even those I would with tongues and interpretation of tongues because some would close their mind to that because it was not explainable or understood to them. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth, mark that in your Bible, himself. But he that prophesieth edifieth, edifieth the church. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, the only apostle that Jesus appeared to post resurrection and called him into full ministry. Would you say he had a grip on the mind of God? I'm being facetious to draw a point. The heart of God. The understanding of the ways and ways of God. He preached to both the Jew and the Gentile. Explaining the church to them. And here's what he said. I would that all of you spoke with tongues. Pastor John, does that mean that he wishes we all prayed privately? Like the ability to speak with tongues? Or the gift of tongues? If I'm honest, it... it makes more sense that he was speaking about our devotional life. He said, I would, I wish that all because, here's why. Here, was, was, I don't know how you get that. Well hear me out. Because all of us don't speak with the gift of tongues. So for him to say, I wish that all of you spoke with tongues, that would contradict the practice of God in the church. And I don't, I don't see Paul as doing that. I see him saying, you know, like where he says, do all speak with tongues? He's talking about the gift of tongues. No, absolutely not. But he said, I wish that all of you did. Why would the Apostle Paul say that? Because he knew personally the benefit of being edified by the ability to speak with God in a supernatural way. Let me just put a pause here. I was talking to friends on the way in today. you know i've got friends that grew up in pentecostal charismatic churches and they said they preached a lot about the baptism of the holy spirit and the gifts of spirit but they never taught on it because you don't want to pull the 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 drape back on the wizard you know and show the tricks of the trade you you wouldn't want to understand it you know why we don't want because then you can hold people accountable for foolishness and error and speaking there so paul uh he said "I, i wish all of you spoke with tongues The the word edify doesn't mean make you feel good. It's a construction term. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue is building up the hidden fabric of his spiritual man. He's performing construction. In the same way, receiving with meekness the engrafted word of God, the pruning back of the Lord, all those things build you up. Your invisible man, the secret man, the inner man. Praying in tongues is part of that construction. Beloved, Jude 20 says, building yourself up in your most holy faith. What is, pray, uh, uh, what is the most holy faith? How do you do that? Praying in the Holy Spirit. And we learned that praying in the Spirit, Paul contrasted that with praying uh, without understanding. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to pray with the Spirit. Then I'm going to pray with understanding. So he contrasted praying in the Spirit with not understanding what he was saying. So that praying in tongues builds me up. My mind is unfruitful. He was very clear. I don't understand what I'm saying. But my spirit is quickened and energized. He said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. But rather that you prophesied. Once again, why, Paul? Because he that prophesieth, greater is he than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church might receive edifying, which means he has a greater influence so the royal law of love this settles it for me it's not that tongues tongues are minimized or despised by God or Paul be careful when the Holy Spirit says I have sculpted a gift for you and you minimize it what Paul is saying he said I'm showed you a more excellent way you remember follow after love I'm going to show you a more excellent way prefer other people to yourself so if tongues edifies me and I come out of my prayer closet, I'm ready to go, man. I'm, I was caught up with the Lord in his presence and I'm strong. Or I can come and teach a Sunday school class and edify you, build you up, okay? I am greater in the truest sense of the word because I'm preferring you to myself. You follow me? The people that get this backwards, I don't need no church I just got me and Jesus. And I had a six-hour prayer meeting. And I just, ooh, I saw two visions and an angel. And I just had a time. My, my, my. What y'all doing on Sundays? I ain't got no time. Oh, I know what you mean. You have a religion for you. That ain't deep. That's deceived. Because what will happen if you have those visitations with the Lord, he will tell you to go into the world and pour your life out for other people like he did. So, Tongues is w- different in that without the interpretation of tongues, it benefits no one in the church. But with it, it's, it's a supernatural event that announces that God is here in the midst of us speaking and when you, when you have someone on your road that you know doesn't know a certain language or dialect and yet somebody else feels the Lord telling them what it is and there's a witness in your heart it rings true that that was from the Lord. Now, I have to say this. What has ruined that for many of us is we grew up in churches where the same man gave the same message and the same other man or same woman gave the same interpretation and it didn't ring true of the Lord and we were force-fed that and said, well, the Lord has spoken. And I'm sitting here thinking, I didn't hear him. But you can't say anything because that's so-and-so's granddaddy, you know, and he, he holds the mortgage here. So you can't say nothing. And uh, through error and foolishness, the gifts have been made fun of and deemed worthless or not worth your time. Now, brethren, verse 6. If I come into you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise, except ye utter by the tongues words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification, signification. Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. For as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, what? Seek ye that you may excel to the edifying of the church. I have a prayer language. I, that's, I call it a prayer language. It's not a definition, but that's what I do. I pray in the spirit. But that is not the preeminent part of me. The best part of me is what I use for others for the glory of God. The best part of you is what you use for others for the glory of God. Seek that you might serve the church. Love the church. Give yourself for the church. All right. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. If we're honest, the context of this passage is the local church not my prayer closet there's no way you can jump from this talking about the local church and mean to anybody that speaks with tongues that's 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 a violation of scriptural hermeneutics and homiletics you can't just jump from talking about the benefit to the church and then talk about anyone that speaks in unknown tongue see if there's no interpreter in the church i can be silent and then speak to myself and to god i can still speak okay Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. I don't pray that I can interpret my prayers because I'm not talking to me. I don't need to understand. God understands. I'm I'm not looking for understanding of my prayer. I'm looking for the edification that happens there. But in the church, there's a necessity for that. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in the church in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful, which means I don't know what I'm praying. What is it then? Now, are we praying here? or This is, this is personal prayer life. When I pray with the spirit, I, well, what, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and with understanding. You see the contrast? Praying in the spirit, I don't know what I'm saying. Praying with the understanding, I do. He said, I'll also sing with the Spirit and sing with the understanding also. Else when I bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what I say. For verily I would give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Do you notice the pattern? The edification of the church. The edification of the church. So the gift of tongues, coupled with the interpretation of tongues, the divine ability to speak, In a language, whether of this world or another world, tongues of men and angels, unlearned, unknown to the person speaking, then interpreted by someone that equally doesn't know or understand, but they find the meaning and heart of God, and then that tongues and interpretation is judged in the moment by the scriptures and what God is doing, and then it's received. I thank my God... This is Paul in verse 18, that I speak with tongues more than what? So Paul missed it. See, I wish someone would have taught me when I was going through it. I had to learn this on my own. No one ever, I was in a Pentecostal church, they didn't teach this. It was just, you just need it, and it was a bunch of foolery. Say banana seven times, say banana seven times. And I look now and I just go or or my emphasis, their emphasis was on experience, not the Word of God. If I can't track it to the Word of God, if it doesn't clearly teach, and it doesn't go outside the guardrails. So understanding that Paul, Paul, who walked with the Lord and was entrusted with writing the Scriptures, said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Let's me know that he knew and viewed that ability To pray in tongues as significant and important for his personal well-being. Watch. I pray in tongues more than all of you. Why? So that I might pour out my life in this world for the glory of God. That my teaching and my preaching would not come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power of God. That your faith would not rest in my wisdom, but in the power of God. That's why... I'm edified here so I can be effective here. Speak in tongues more than all of you. All right, what verse was that? Sorry. Yet in the church. Okay, wait a minute. Contrast it. So where was he talking about speaking in tongues more than all of you? At home, personally. You see the distinction? That's the ability to speak in tongues. And then the gift of tongues is for gatherings of God's people. He said, yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that my voice, by my voice, I could teach others than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brethren, don't be children in understanding and malice be children, but in understanding be men. In the law, it's written with men of other tongues and other lips. I will speak unto this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, but prophesying, serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. And last week we discussed how that was speaking of the Jews, uh, that they, they would not believe. But the tongues were assigned to them that God had poured His Spirit upon them, fulfilling Joel and other prophecies. And so that, that was on last week's message, if you want to go uh, look that up. Okay, so if the whole church has come together in one place, And all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned, unbelievers. Won't they say you're crazy? Yes, rightfully so. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, he is convinced of all, and he is judged, and the secrets of his heart are made manifest, and he falls down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Are we on the screen? I forgot. I'm not scrolled down, have I? Have you all got your Bibles open? You good? Okay, sorry, got to preach. I was going to do that later. Sorry. All right, where are we at? Okay, and the, and they fall down and report that God is in you of a truth. How is it, brethren, when you come together? Bring a psalm, have a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Edifying of who? The church, not the individual. The church. That's how I know when we're giving an altar call and somebody's coming to know Jesus and somebody stands and wants to give a message in tongues, you go, not, not right now. No, the Lord's moving on me. No, this this is for the edification of the church. That, that's out of line. It's inappropriate. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, where? Where's the context of this? Okay, yeah. There's not going to be two or three men in my prayer closet. Just an idea, just a thought. Just think it through. Find your context. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three in a church service. So if you have more than three, you're out of order. If there's no interpreter, then we should sit quietly. Okay? And uh, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Who's that? The person with the gift of tongues. And let him speak to himself and to God. The non-Pentecostal's favorite verse is let him keep silent in the church if there's no interpreter. But there's a comma or semicolon there and not a period. So if there's no interpreter, I just go to speak to myself and to God. I can still speak in tongues, but it's not of benefit to you. So in the church, the governing rule is let it be by two or at the most three as long as there's interpretation. And the spirit's there and and it's edifying to the church. And that falls on the pastor. Or whoever's ahead of the home group. And let me just tell you this. Yeah, I get, I guess the, the final say in the church service, myself and or an elder, um, this was in line with God or his word and this is not. You think that's a position I want to be in. And I'm going to answer before the Lord for those things. To tell a lady that, you know, I, I don't think that was the Lord. I think you're just happy And Jesus said, I really do. I think you love the Lord, but that was not a gift of tongues. And i got to hurt her feelings or or sell you out and act like that was okay so I don't have to to juggle those things. Let the prophets speak two or three and let one judge, or let others judge here. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first one hold his peace. That would be like if someone comes up, Pastor John, I... I felt like I saw something. I felt like I heard something. And I said, well, what was it? And they say, so and so. I said, come on, share. And you're able to do that. long as you give me an out, then I say, maybe that's wonderful, but not right now. We can be in mutual submission one to another. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn. Is there any time lim- I mean, uh, number limit on those that want to edify the church? No, as long as you want to stay together. So tongues, two at the most, three. But in prophecy that all may be comforted and the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets which means there is no gift no expression no teaching nothing natural or supernatural that you lose self-control Brother, you know barking like a dog i walk into church i don't i don't care how many weeks your friends sit there in revival if i walk in And this is out of control. I walk right back out because I know that's not the work of the Holy Spirit. You're judging their hearts. I'm judging that. The Lord made me. I'm walking out. Because God has never stuck his hand in me and made me write a check or witness or forgive. I am in control. The evidence of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. So the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet's. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches and the saints. All right. There's a 30-minute summary, 15, 20-minute summary of last week. What, what I wanted to do with this subject, because we all have a lot of different experiences, and I hope that we might, whether tonight or next Sunday, if Jesus carries, laugh about some of these and see um, the error or silliness, the exaggeration, that we found, you know, gifts have such a blurring uh, effect when you experience in them and they're out of order and the leader doesn't have the courage or the character to stand up and say something. Um, Jason, if you'd come on up and get ready here. I was in uh, church service, a pastor buddy of mine told me that uh, a guy was going to uh, give to prophesy to the church and he, uh, he was mad. Obviously, but he's going to take his opportunity to exercise the gifts. And he did a hear ye, hear ye. Because, you know, if you speak in King James, that's God, you know. Yeah, My people, my people, that's a good sign. It's God in Pentecostal churches. But he said, yay, yeah, that was it. Yay, yay. There's sin in this church. There is sin in this church. And if you don't get rid of it, I'll kill you. I'm going to get a 12-gauge shotgun and kill you. Now, God is going to get a shotgun and come kill somebody. You know what happens? People, hmm, hallelujah, hmm. No, stop. You ain't heard nothing from God that come out of your flesh, you withered up, mean spirited old man. You know, now I wouldn't say it that way, but you know. <laughs> but because of this stuff we've seen, Don't tell me the devil has not worked a work on the church. We just don't want nothing to do with any of it. And the power gifts were gifts handed to us by the Holy Spirit himself for the benefit of the church. So I wanted to also, I've been in church where the guy talks and he's answering questions I'm not asking. So if you have any question about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the ability to speak in tongues, or the gift of tongues or interpretation of tongues, I'd love to try to answer, me and or Jason. So, if, And it, the only thing that would make this not work if you just all sit there and you've talked about this with other people, but I'm not going up to no mic. Please don't do that to me. Maybe the Lord will put you on a stage and someone will do that to you. Anybody with some questions? I hope this is going to turn into something really good. Yeah, come just to the mic. They're already on. The mics are on
1: so that way everybody break the ice. Um, a couple years ago, I sat through a uh, kids camp, and the speaker there was given a crash course in the Holy Spirit, and he said, all you've got to do, there's four things. I don't remember three of them, but four was you have to believe that you're uh, worthy of it. How would you address that? Because I'm never going to be worthy. Um, was that just a? Yeah. I don't want to accuse him of false teaching. He's yeah. not here to Great question. Himself. Jason,
0: I'll let you go first. Um, and,
1: <laughs> but, I'm ready
0: to go, but y'all heard me for a half hour or so. right.
1: uh, The reason I asked is because growing up, mom, my aunt, I mean, speaking in tongues was just daily. I remember as a kid maybe parenting some of that, but I don't know that I've ever fully received the Spirit myself. And beautiful now I've got question.
0: to hear beautiful question no great question. I think it's more an issue of clarification, so so okay, that's good now, <laughs> if if
2: that doesn't bring clarity, I'm not really sure what will when I hear that. You have to believe that you're worthy. I think maybe the intent of what he was saying was right, but the way he communicated it might not have come across well for you. You being a follower of Christ, you being a child of God, this is a promise. This is available to you. This is something that we are exhorted to ask God for. Um, So maybe a better way of thinking about it is this is available to you. This Christ said, I'm leaving. It it is good for you. It is expedient for you. It is, uh, to your benefit that I go because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the comforter, and he is going to seal you. And then he is going to empower you. And that is part of The sealing being the gift of the Holy Spirit, as we've talked about, and the empowerment, the gifts to be edification to the world, to the church. And so this being a promise to you as a child of God, it is available to you. You can receive it. The enemy may trick you into thinking it is not for you because of whatever presupposition, whatever abuse you have seen in different contexts that made you feel like it wasn't for you and I will tie this into my personal experience and maybe this will relate to you maybe it won't but this is this was a big disconnect for me when I was very young uh, it was a we're all going to speak in tongues prayer meeting and we went down to the altar and people are falling out and writhing on the floor and the girl my age next to me, she's speaking in tongues and the other lady's throwing up a demon in a bag and, and I'm there and they're like, you just have to give utterance and my mouth's open and I feel like I'm willing and I'm doing all the things they're telling me to do and nothing's happening. And as so as a child, uh, eight, nine, ten years old, however old I was at the time, I come to the conclusion at the end of this meeting that there's something wrong with me. I, I've failed, or God doesn't want to provide this for me, and so that created a great disconnect for me, where I didn't experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit, evidenced by the speaking in tongues, until I was in my thirties. And but when it when the dam broke, I was alone. I was in my bedroom. It was the this dawn. The sun had not dawned yet. And I was praying to God earnestly. You said this is for your children. And I'm your child according to your word of God. And I desire this. I want this. And leading up to this, there have been a few times. And I battle in my mind. Where I'd feel like something was coming. And then I'd be like, well, the enemy would attack me. No, you're making that up. Da, 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 da. And I'd overanalyze everything and get in my own way. And then I had an issue with surrender. And all of these things. And then when it broke... There was no telling me afterwards that, that I did not have that encounter and that the language that had been given to me was a evidence of the full immersion in the Holy Spirit, that Christ had baptized me in the Holy Spirit, and I had received that gift.
0: But, but Jason, and, you made that approach based on your knowledge of the Scriptures.
2: Exactly. And
0: what, what I would say, now Jason has a lot more in-depth than in me. I, I have the gift of concise, like a, just, a, just a statement. Not that that was long. I didn't mean that. No, I didn't. But when you said, I, well, but I was doing a summary. I was doing a summary. Any, meanwhile, back at the Batcave, um, um, when you said, I have a problem with I'm worthy, he just said it at the wrong place. For you, well, in Christ Jesus, I'm the, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your position in Christ has qualified you for everything that the Lord gives you. So you are, you, you have been made worthy would be a better way for you to have heard it. Yes. But it's the same thing. You are worthy because of who you are in Christ Jesus. It's like when you go to Disney and you got the pass. You're worthy to cut in front of everybody. And you just, how about that? See, see how I did it? No. Right. <laughs> no i i'm just playing with him it loosens y'all up it's for all it's all for your faith somebody else come on nobody has any questions conversations with it okay okay And and y'all, we have microphones down here for y'all too, so. All right, I want to know about the gift of tongues in the
3: church and the interpretation. It says if there's no interpreter, don't speak in tongues. But you don't know there's no interpreter until somebody's already spoken in tongues.
0: Great question. Many times um, the person was operating in the gift of tongues, but somebody else might not have the courage to interpret. So we can't make the assessment that the person giving the message was wrong and I can't judge the heart of the person that didn't speak wherever they might be or that there was no interpreter there. All we know is that that, because there was no interpreter, that gift is closed for that day, that gathering, not to contradict scripture. So if that happens in our church and when that's happened, I just said, you know, that, that doesn't mean anybody's been in error. We would only be in error if we continue to give messages and try to interpret them. Y'all, come on. I know y'all talked about this with y'all's friends and family. And... Hey, y'all ready to go home? Somebody else. Here we go. Come on
3: i don't know if this is quite related
4: but um a lot of the times with spiritual stuff you know satan will have a counterfeit for like the unholy trinity and i've seen churches and larger churches say now so if there's the real thing there's the counterfeit but they'll now say there's a counterfeit so there has to be a real thing like i've seen tarot cards and people saying that these are christian tarot cards and this is the holy spirit speaking through those and
0: how do we address stuff like that: by, Great by, question. Like, general yeah. let you go first? <laughs> oh, he said
2: he didn't hear. She: yeah, was. You, you asked about Christian stuff off base like tarot cards. is that general? Yeah. Yeah. The hyper super spiritual. Another,
0: how there's a a, a counterfit uh, tones, counterfeit, uh, words of knowledge like tarot cards and stuff.
2: So we measure everything against scripture. Uh, there's going to be the counterfeit, and we know there's going to be the counterfeit because the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. It doesn't say that uh, it, the adversary, Satan, the devil, is the father of lies. He is a deceiver masquerading as an angel of light. So His job would be to lull you into a false sense of security, appearing to be a blend of what is right and what is wrong so that he could lead a biblically illiterate people down the path of destruction. That's why it is critical that we as believers know the word and that we stand for truth. And it has never been more paramount for us to be tracking with Spurgeon's statement that discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong, but between right and almost right. We don't, the, the people that study counterfeit bills don't spend all their time looking at fake money. They spend all their time looking at the real money. And the moment they see fake, they identify it. The moment you see a, a Christian tarot card, your discernment goes crazy because you know there's nowhere in scripture where the power of God tied into the witchcraft of the world or the deception of the dark arts to perform miracles. It was always opposite and in greater power so there's no validity to grave soaking the uh, fake tongues when the false teachers that would make wares of you that peter warns about punctuate what they're saying with a stream of unintelligible words that's not genuine tongues they're using it out of order they're using it to validate their position of manipulation upon you and they're using it to make wares out of you to get you to sow it's, into it's, their explain ministry. Explain that
0: again. So a preacher's preaching, and in the middle of a point that he really wants to get across, he hangs a sentence or two of tongues on it, which is, oh, well, that validates it. No, because tongues in his life is for his personal edification. If tongues were being operating in the gift of of tongues was operating in the church then it should be interpreted by someone and then judged by the church that was manipulation another part of of your question though is does the imitation of something qualify the original not necessarily but we don't imitate things of little to no value and the spirit behind the imitation the false is the the uh, delegitimizing like the uh, devaluing of the genuine uh we imitate uh our our um, what word, what word did you use the, uh counterfeit counterfeit gospels okay uh counterfeit christ counterfeit holy spirit when we have a man on stage and he's Built this sanctuary that seeks five thousand people and there's six thousand people in it and he's preaching and people are running and throwing money at the front and he's took his shoes off and he's dancing in the money. And the natural mind would say, Well, that man is successful. This church is paid off, we don't own nobody nothing, he has a jet. But the person that walks in the spirit understands that that man's spirit is dull. To the spirit of God. Because that puts the emphasis on possessions. And not the Christ. Anything anything that's imitation. Will appeal to your carnal man. A Jesus with less. Stringent demands. A gospel. With, with less humility involved. Uh, a, a, a broader way. Instead of a narrow way. So. Something being imitated. Does not mean that there's an original. But the originals of God. Are are almost always counterfeited so as to trick people. That's why, you know, you'll hear me say something like, and I know it sounds harsh, but I'm responsible for you in the presence of the Lord. When I say, uh, they'll say, I go to this church, we serve Jesus, which Jesus? That's, that's not an arrogant question, which Jesus? There are many Christ and many false Christ and many antichrist in the world today, the Bible says. Is it the Christ of the Scripture? So when when you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural divine enablements that a believer has, scrutinize them. Judge them according to Scripture, but don't resist them. Don't, don't, Don't act like they're not there or devalue them. They're the gifts of the Holy Spirit to you for the edification of the believer and truth doesn't ever mind you turning the light brights on it truth doesn't mind and so the counterfeit will always give you a tail kind of like playing cards there's a tail and you can read it counterfeit always caters to or operates in the power of carnality appealing to the flesh the profit of the flesh where when you remember simon the sorcerer that old flesh and goes "Ooh, i could make money off that gift you remember it always caters to so the counterfeit is not a perfect sign that there's an original, but the things of God are always imitated so as Satan can mislead and steer people away from the truth. There has to be lie to counterfeit the truth. Hope that answered. Somebody else? Okay, good.
3: I have been in services
0: before. Can you get a little closer? I'm sorry.
3: I've been in services before at certain churches. I've even been on the stage before with these certain individuals. And during a service, they'll start spinning like helicopters during the worship. Some have been running around, like running up the wall. I mean, it's. I'm just wondering if i witnessed the holy spirit take over or what <laughs> just i'm i'm, I'm curious
0: uh, i'll i'll go first on this one and then jay if he wants to uh jump in go go research whirling dervishes i'm not being funny go go research okay. it's a it was a natural phenomenon centuries ago where people would whirl themselves into an ecstasy an ext- almost an out of body okay my my question for me to discern in the moment is why. Why would I do why why would I do that? Why would the Holy Spirit do that? And who is the attention on? That's my question. That applies to me too. That pastor that gets up there and he spends his 40 minutes and he wows you and he impresses you and he shows illustration and you leave going, what a great preacher. Same thing. Same thing. I I wouldn't want to draw attention to me. And there's, there's a beauty to, let's say, these spinning gyrations. And some other lady comes down the aisle and she's wailing. She falls at the altar. Both of them have took over service. One rings of the work of the Holy Spirit. And the other rings of, did you see me? Now, they can also be manipulated and controlled by a false spirit that causes gyrations and stuff if i tell you what it's a, it's a rabbit hole but go look up the kundalini spirit and do the re- oh it's all in churches where a man can walk up and do that and three rows of people fall back it's I a late it's a latent power of the soul and it can be demonic as well but it's not the holy spirit
3: and in reference to tongues, I don't know if y'all may have already covered it yet or something. Um, I've also witnessed in other services at different churches, um, a breakout of the speaking of tongues. It would be happening when it was a total moment of silence in the church after worship or during a worship. And it's silence. And then the person speaks out in tongues.
0: Scare you to death.
3: It can And to no death. one interprets it. And then that person turns around and interprets his tongues and they can okay
0: but let let me give you this phrase that will answer and thank you those are very good questions a lot of this falls under learned behavior isn't it funny how how granddaddy did it and how mama dances and how brother dances all looks the same And whatever the emphasis of the church, whatever's allowable. And so you know at the end of service and all the musical things start to wind down. And here it comes, here it comes. Three, two, one, and the tongues go off. Well, first of all, you have to wait for a silent moment. But be careful of the predictable and learned imitation of one another. Um, But yes, the person that gives them if they give a genuine message in tongues and there's no interpreter they should pray that they would interpret so so why why would i want to interpret so the church might be edified yes sir uh
4: mine's kind of a little bit similar to the question that was just asked
0: can you turn that up josh uh
4: but but the uh the question i had is if if you're in a gathering and people do speak in tongues, but it's obviously that they're edifying themselves, but it's still audible uh, to other people. Um, Is that a situation that's um, out of order? And uh, the other quick question, if you can't address them both, that's okay too, but uh, is uh, in, I think, uh, chapter 12, verse 30, when he's listing uh, not all... Not all have gifts of healings, not all mm-hmm. have gifts of miracles, not all pray in tongues. Let We're them seek to it. abound for the edification of yeah. the church. So I guess along with the experience that was shared, I have other friends that had people tried to pray and pray them into tongues, and I've said they've heard said that they just messed something up. Yeah. Or they just made something up, sorry. Yeah. And so they just fabricated something just to get that pressure off of them to people to leave them alone. Yeah. So I, my, I just question about that, like the people that they seemingly want to, res, to speak in tongues, but mm-hmm. um, it, it just hadn't happened for whatever yeah. reason, and they feel pressured. Great to question.
0: Great question. Jay,
2: Um, <clears throat> So I'm sorry. I was, I was processing the second question. What was the first thing you asked? Uh, the first question I asked was if people are praying in tongues. Right. Okay. I remember now. So, in that context, if somebody's praying in tongues loud enough to where you can hear, but they're not demanding the attention of the service, you just, like, is this a situation where you just overhear them, or they're capturing the attention of the congregation? Uh,
0: Just the people around them.
2: If, If it's just the people around them, maybe overhearing them, that would be more covered in the sense that they're being silent and speaking unto themselves and unto God. It's, they're not trying to capture your attention. You just may be able to hear them. They're, it's not so that you would look at them. They're praying in their prayer language. That That is a term that I use as well. Uh, between them and God, edifying themselves. If it's, you find it to be a distraction, uh, unfortunately, is when we come together in a congregational setting, sometimes there's a lot of distractions. Babies cry. People are antsy. You know, maybe just... Shift where you sit sometimes, and yeah. you know uh, if, me, if that me, continues to happen. Let me add
0: this: to, when something like that is better governed by the people around them that love them, and you just reach over and touch by the hand, and or tell them later it's just we, I could, it was just a little loud. Just like y'all, forgive me, older people. You got me mints? They just all in the church. <laughs> now, that's not sinful, and then. <sighs> it's not sinful but it's the same thing they're not tr- if they're not trying to draw attention then it's just friends telling them you're loud and it it, it it you know i had to tell a friend sitting beside me to stop singing he said what i told him i said stop he, he said what I said, you sing so bad i can't even i couldn't even worship it was like just find a key any key here's a chain pick one you know just um what was his other question
2: <laughs> i got you the, the other side of that is, if if they are taking over the service with that, it's, then it's on the leader of the service, an elder, the pastor, to address that, provide opportunity for an interpretation, and then if none comes, then the person that is leading that service would then ask them to remain quiet if they were to try to take charge of the service again or call attention to themselves. And the other, when we talk about 1 Corinthians 12, 30, when Paul, it says, do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Earnestly desire the higher gifts. I will show you a, still a more excellent way. When, when he's talking about these these series of gifts, are all apostles, are all prophets, he, he's talking about offices, he's talking about the gifts, and Pastor John touched on that during the recap tonight. He's saying, in From what I understand, the way I interpret it, and we, you know, are all faith, scripture is our final authority for faith and practice. And as I read and interpret it as best and as faithfully as I can, this is what I understand that to be saying. Not every one of us, since the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to whomever he will, according to how he desires, not all of us are going to have the gift of speaking in tongues or tongues and interpretation for the corporate body. But as we covered in verse 14 where Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. I wish that you would all speak in tongues. That aspect of the ability to speak in tongues is available for every believer. I believe that every believer has that ability.
0: That context was in the congregation. It was The, 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 the ministry gifts, the operations in the church, the administrations in the church, the offices in the church... And tongues would fall under that gifting. Did that answer? I just have one quick on twenty nine he seems to be talking about offices, and then in thirty we shifted to talking about
4: gifts. Verse twenty nine we seem to be talking about offices, and thirty you shift to talking about gifts.
0: But it's still talking about the local church. Right. Twenty nine, let the s prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. You talking about second Corinthians twelve. Oh I'm here in twelve, sorry. Pro- yeah that's speaking about the church corporate and god is appointed in the church apostles prophets teachers miracles gifts of evil. now individuals of course helping administrations, various kinds of tongues the various kinds of tongues uh uh in in one translation the uh diverse kinds of tongues various kinds of tongues oh no that's fine um I, be, I believe that speaking about the gift of tongues in the corporate setting, that contextually it, it's, it's more accurate for me. So, and then some would say, I don't think that. Well, then that would sway or lead uh, your understanding and, and shape your doctrine. That's why I wanted to take a full 30 minutes last week on telling you the difference between the ability to speak in tongues and the gift of tongues. Um, the ability to speak in tongues, I can do anytime I want to. The gift of tongues is an intrusion, if you will, into my will and desire and plan with a momentary enablement to articulate a language that I do not know, whether earthly or heavenly, for the interpretation to bring edification in the church. So one is... Like the gifts of healing. I can't just go heal somebody. Though I might have the gifts of healing. I can't just turn on the gift of faith. Which is an absolute, undiluted, unswayable confidence. God confidence that this thing has already happened in the mind of heart of God. And will happen in time. I can't just turn that on. Now, God's given every man a measure of faith. I believe. But to have an unswerving, complete, God-given, divine, determined, eternal faith, that's a gift of faith. So the distinction between the ability to speak in tongues and the gift of tongues is I can do that at my choosing. And the other is I can only do it at the Lord's choosing. Is this helping at all? Anybody else tonight? Yes, sir.
4: question. Wait. Does God speak to you before you're saved or after you're saved?
0: Both. Very good question. Now there will be preachers that, now listen, that's way more profound than you, the Lord doesn't talk to people today anymore. Oh yes he does. Now what's the more sure word of prophecy? The scriptures. He's never going to contradict, minimize, dilute, or pollute the Scriptures ever. Well, the Lord told me if it goes out of the constraints of the Scriptures, they're in error or they're lying or they've been tricked. But the Lord does speak to us today about direction and things. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, "This is the way. Walk in it." But He governs us by His Word. Very good question. Yes, sir. I have a question about the interpretation of tongues. Okay.
1: To, on the day of Pentecost, it says, Get close, but I'm sorry. It says uh, they were speaking of the mighty deeds of God. So in an interpretation in the corporate setting, is it a message from God? Is it like an interpretation of their prayer?
0: Great, great question. My, very good question. And I brought this out last week. My belief is that on the day of Pentecost, that was not the gift of tongues for public edification. It was the ability to pray in tongues, and here's why I think this, uh, for several reasons, but the primary reason is if it's the gift of tongues, then you have to have the interpretation be a divine gift as well because they're coupled together. The gift, the divine gift of tongues, and the divine gift of interpretation of tongues. But this was a grouping of, how many people was it? Do you know, 12, 17, uh, uh, the people hearing in their own language? There's just people out in the street saying, we heard them speaking the wonderful works of God. Now how many people were in the upper room? 120. And there were, does anybody have that in front of them, Acts, how many people there were? Or do you know? 15, 17, 20. Where are the rest of the languages? Some of them didn't get to hear because they might have been speaking in another language or, or tongue, heavenly or above. So it did not need divine interpretation, because the common man on the street understood that he would, they were all, we heard them in our own tongue, speaking the, the wonderful works of God and the greatness of God. Did that answer? Good. Yes, sir. And it can be on anything related to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit.
1: Um, yeah, my question is, is I was raised in a Southern Baptist church, mm-hmm. and why was, like, all this stuff in a Southern Baptist church treated like it was a plague? Like, why, what, did, why did nobody ever talk about anything like this in a Southern Baptist church? Go ahead, Jay. I mean, been, really, like, it, it was like, you know, whenever they talked about people speaking in tongues or anything like that, that was... That was a crazy people. You but just didn't talk about it. are the ones who get the snakes out. Those are the ones who do that. Yeah. And, and I just want to know the answer I'll
2: take that one. Look, so... Hold it close, Jay. In an effort to respond to abuses, often the pendulum of leadership swings in extremes from one to the other side. And when you were coming up in Southern Baptist... That was at a time when fanatic, improper, ungoverned, they called it charismatic, they called it hyper Pentecostalism, but what it was was error. And it wasn't addressed. And it was associated, Pentecostalism became sadly associated with an ungoverned, unruly, uh, without order. Association that handled the snakes, writhed around on the floor, did much of what was not Holy Spirit honoring, was not God honoring, was not centered on Christ. It elevated the person. And this is a just free notes. Write this down, put it in your notes out, whatever. If man is the hero of the story, it is a false narrative. If it doesn't point to, lift up, center on Christ, it is, it's false. If it if it elevates the pastor, if it elevates them, these folks are idiots. They're handling snakes. They're like, there's a passage about venom, man. We're going to make it. No, that, you're miscontextualizing the word of God. You're being a moron, okay? Like, that's just the truth. Yeah. I wasn't making fun of your accent. All right, I was born right here in Macon, Georgia. All right. So what what's going on is rather than try to walk the tension and the balance, a lot of and it came from the Reformed tradition too. A a lot of the leaders decided to just close the door on that instead of holding the truth in the and because has anyone noticed that script, scripture? When you measure the truths, can create a tension inside of us. A tension of not understanding, a tension of needing clarity. There's a tension inside of us, but it's, it doesn't exist for God. It's, but we're finite, and He's divine. So we're trying to capture and, and hold and walk according to these truths. And it's a lot easier to just say, okay, that doesn't... Yeah. We're not doing that anymore than hold those truths in tension. So... It, they close the door on it to say we're we're just not even going to entertain this because that's going to and, and we can be we, we'd rather be legalist than err on the side of this because we can be righteous but you can really get off in the weeds going that way now, not understanding the damage let that me legalism tell you what, the, brings. The
0: Baptist pastor did correct though when we talked about the uh, um, very quickly when we talked about the illegitimate he recognized. Let's say he and they recognized Christian television just starting out and 99 out of 100 were wingdingers, you know, or, or the vast majority, I should say. And they judged correctly to keep the sheep from being exposed to the faults, without ever giving them the option to explore the genuine. So their assessment, that's not God, was correct. So the devil, if he's working to make illegitimate the things of God, he successfully did it through error and excess, shutting the church off through its leaders to the genuine, which shows a mastermind behind the scenes getting done what he wanted to do, separating the body of Christ from the gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this generation. Yes, ma'am. Okay, first of all, Kelly, I was one
3: of those Southern Baptists. We didn't speak of the holy spirit
0: you gotta get closer i'm sorry uh, we didn't
3: speak of the holy spirit yeah. in the southern baptist church I, eddie brought me to the pentecostal church and i'm like i found my home <laughs> i feel at home y'all yeah. <laughs> so why are these gifts not utilized more on the mission field
0: okay um i don't want to sound corrective but they're I think, utilized way more on the mission field than in the local churches here. The mission field, because they don't have anything to unlearn. Now, by mission field, I mean the lower socioeconomic nations, uh, the bush, the tribe, the gifts of the Spirit just flow. There's nothing to unlearn. But here, we've seen so much crazy, we've got to wade through all of that before we exercise, exercise them. Now that now I've not been overseas but once, but this is what missionaries tell me that those gifts—they'll see it flow through children, operate, you know, visions, dreams, um, and the like.
3: One more question. Um, these are very elementary questions. I don't, like I said, I didn't grow up in. Okay. Can you tell me exactly what an interpretation would be like? Is it word for word? great question
0: it's not a translation it's an interpretation what you're trying to do okay if you you're asking these questions and jason is interpreting based on him his history but if he captures the mind of god and the heart of god he can communicate a message a salvation message and i'm going to communicate it and they use a lot of different words and phrases, but communicate the same heart of the message. My understanding of the gift of interpretation is that it's not translation. It's revealing the heart and mind of God for that moment through earthen frail vessels, which makes it all the more beautiful. The man with no education, never, never been to school, can stand up and say, what I think the Lord's trying to tell us is that he just wants our heart, all of it, all love it. And he goes and sits down and the place starts weeping. And somebody else might have talked about the, the the importance of sanctification and what's the purpose of sanctification with having consecration. And it's and he just goes all around and both articulated the mind of God and both could be right. So it's not translation, it's interpretation. Well, we'd have to know it in in our language to be able to articulate it. Yeah. Great question. Yes. Uh, so, I don't understand your language, but I understand the heart of God right now. What I'm feeling, what I'm sensing, I'm going to articulate in English. They're saying what they heard. I'm articulating what I'm feeling. What. I believe, God, and that takes faith to step out there, and we can miss it. But if we miss it, there's a humble heart to the one correcting, and there's a humble heart that says, man, I didn't even want to do it anyway. I'm just learning. But there comes with that a practice, and a, I don't have a reputation. Lord, I just want to honor you, you know, in that way. So did that answer? Good.
1: Uh-huh. But it be a question if I hear the person speaking in English, I know what they're saying. So then I'm like, i like, okay. you know, at that point, yeah.
0: it's easier to step out yeah. you know what said. At that point, you would be repeating what they said. Interpretation would be, Lord, I feel you stirring in me right now. So by faith, I'm going to try to speak your heart. And you could say, so an interpreter could say, uh, to the best I can discern his voice, I believe the Lord is either saying or would want us to know blank. And I just offer that to you. Oh, that's scary. How many times in 30 years have you ever heard me say, thus saith the Lord? Very rare. That, that's a scary, scary thing. I just usually back away. I'm, I'm being honest. See, I try to mix humor with this because, you know, it can be, very stern and offensive and disturbing when it contradicts what daddy and granddaddy did and so when somebody starts to do that on stage i go that's him lord that ain't me i I can tell you that god says when i read it out of his word and the rest of it is the best that i can how many times you heard me say this i know i could just say anything right now and apply to somebody hundreds of times why do you say that so no one will think i'm saying thus saith the lord but I feel this stirring, so I step out in faith, and I offer it as edification to you, usually after worship. And I offer it for edification. And if it's received and it's Christ-honoring, then we go forward. All right, we're almost out of time. I Jesse, just want to hop in and,
2: and, and make one quick statement about the, the tongues and interpretation. Um, there's not been a lot of times where I've been in service where there's been tongues coupled with interpretation— Uh, but one time I do remember very distinctly and a word of tongues was given. It was here in this room and John came up, gave time for, you know, drew attention to the moment, said, we're going to make pause in time for the interpretation. And, um, and I was sitting there in the moment and I was having one of those Zach moments. Is it me, Lord? I don't know. And my mouth's open and if... If it's you, give me the give me the word, press it on my heart. And uh, Mama Sheila was on my row, and she started giving an interpretation. And in that moment, I knew, like it was a word for me in that moment, and that was powerful for me. Um, that that day on the way to church, my wife and I—we were still very young in the Lord—and we were talking about things that we didn't want in our life anymore and how we wanted to be closer to God, like it was a hard thing to do, to be closer with God, like it was some huge mountain to climb. And, and we make it that way in our minds sometimes. And the, the, the interpretation was so clear, I, I remember just very meekly Mama Sheila going, I'm right here. If you want to know me, draw near to me. I'm right here. And it was like, it just shattered me. I was like, wow. And me and her both knew, you know, that was it. Game of Thrones, we threw it all away. I'd still stop watching it right then. (laughs) You know, it was over for, we were, there was things being weeded out of our lives as young believers. And we were like, we wanna get closer to God. And there was a simplicity in that message to us where God was revealing to us, I'm right here. You don't have That's all beautiful. these excuses you think you do. Just draw near to me.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you, Jay, so much. Would y'all honor our teaching pastor? Thank you for it. In just a minute, we're going to serve ourselves in the four corners of communion. Thank you so much, brother. Um, don't be surprised if in the weeks to come, all of a sudden you see a message in tongues. And then someone offer an interpretation, and it'll be something like, Pastor, I was was so scared. I said, but it was beautiful. It was God-honoring. Can I humbly say this to you? You can trust me on this. I'm not going to let foolishness reign in this church. I'm not going to let something that violates Scripture happen in this church. But, oh, God, we need your gifts in this church. Oh God, we need you to pour your spirit upon us. and those of us that have kept our hand over the cup, not letting you fill us, just move our Lord as we move our hand out of the way, pour out your spirit upon us. Let me know what my gift is so I can use it. Just pray that that's the prayer of your heart. Show me, Lord, and I'll step out there. I'll declare, I'll lay hands on the sick. I'll tell them the gift of faith. I'll stand up and exhort and prophesy and teach. Uh, Oh, Lord, I'll I'll ask you for the impossible. I'll discern. I'll do these things. And not for for anything but your glory. I I want to take my edification and use it for the profit of your church. That's the summation of the gifts of the Spirit. I want the built-up, spiritual life through Bible study and prayer and praying in the Spirit praying always in the Spirit with all prayer praying in the Spirit so that I might serve your church that sounds like the work of the Holy Spirit who does not speak of himself or promote himself or elevate himself but he glorifies Jesus, see how it all ties together? The work of the Spirit supernaturally glorifies Jesus. The work of the Spirit internally glorifies Jesus. That's His work. So if you will, we've got stations at the Four Corners. Take a moment here and uh, thank you for coming on Sunday nights. At means a lot to this preacher, and as we look at these other gifts, I, I think you're going to find them very interesting, but I wanted to start with tongues, and if you have any questions and want to write us, our email will, it should be on the app, we'll put it there tonight and make sure, write us, we'll be glad to talk to you, I, I'd probably call you instead of text you, because I'm not doing that all night with one finger, I just y'all can just go, Pastor John I have to go I'm just going to call you, wake you up talk to you has it been good to be here? Can we agree? Hey, can we have 100% agreement on this? I want everything he wants me to have and nothing he doesn't want me to have. How can you miss it? So let's find our, our place here, and I'm going to ask them to, in just a moment, cue this last song. Uh, guys, give us, just Charles, just enough time to serve ourselves, and then we'll play this last video.